Good morning, everybody. <laughs> That's so funny. Something I just realized, I think when I do these podcast intros or whatever it is I'm doing on my own, I think I sound like you. <laughs> I think I do the same thing. As you Good said. morning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> It's like our, your radio voice. Yeah, that's it. Like, you have to find your radio voice. So what Jesus. radio... <laughs> you definitely don't speak like that to me when you come out of the bedroom. In Good the morning, morning <laughs> honey. Let's have some breakfast. <laughs> How about that coffee? Um, what radio program or host shaped you the most growing up? Uh, oh, goodness. I remember listening to Chris Evans uh, on the radio a lot. Is that a DJ? Or a yeah, and then he did TGI Fridays. On television? On television on a Friday night. Oh, those were the best nights. Full House, Family Matters. Did you guys have those back in? Different programs. But then, oh my goodness, I cannot remember his name now. Then when I became slightly more mature in secondary school, a teenager, there was a popular Radio 1 DJ host... I think it was Chris Mills was his name. He was hilarious. Just it's it's you know there's probably a handful of people listening to this podcast that didn't grow up having radio. Right. Right. Some people don't have a radio. Oh, what do you anymore. mean? Oh, right. Okay. I mean, you but get you, you have radio in the car though. But a lot. Do you know what confuses me though? It's all serious. Like that's how does that? I don't understand what serious is. Well, that's my point. People aren't listening to radio. They're listening to either satellite radio, which is XM and Sirius like we have in the car, or more likely they're listening to things like Spotify, Apple Music, and podcasts. Right, which is all like pre-recorded stuff, whereas I used to listen to live Yeah, welcome radio. to the podcast, Roz. That's what I said. No, but I'm saying people. even Sirius is pre-recorded, right? No, no, Sirius is live. Oh, it is live? Okay. Well, I mean, there, I'm sure there are... First of all, you understand the music is recorded already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? What? They're not in the studio playing live? So there's, but the DJs are live oftentimes. Actually, on Radio 1, they used to have um, a program called The Live Lounge, which was amazing. If you can find that on Spotify, you should search for it. They also have plenty of programs on Sirius where the music is live. Right. And they, you know, they're, but point being, a lot of people, what I was going to say is when I grew up, I would listen to the radio. And if you wanted to hear like the new song, you'd have to sit and wait for it to come on and then hit record on your cassette player. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Or call so in. So you could illegally record. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's illegally recording or recording it off the radio, but then there were also times, you know, when you would borrow your friend's tape and record it. You make mixtapes like the 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 day and age of mixtapes is gone. If if you and I it's started dating fifteen years ago, you would have gotten a mixtape from me. Oh, babe. We kind of like it's it's not completely dead because you can still do it on Spotify. I was gonna say I've made like a playlist on Spotify for you. Yeah, we've done playlists like whether it was for the wedding or when I was teaching yoga or even. I do think that's amazing for any. Any fitness instructor now, the ability for them to be able to record all those different playlists so easily. Yeah. All put I, together. I, I agree say. with that. You know, we're talking two things. When you're dating someone, 
handing them a physical mixtape is significantly different than oh, being yeah. like, I make. Like, that's how I used to get girls back in the day. Oh, babe. Like, <laughs> don't give away like, all your secrets. Oh, you start off with a hit like that they do, that's obscure, so they don't necessarily know it, and they think you're like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah, then you right. slow it down, you speed it up. <laughs> you have some messages in there. They're like, oh, does he mean this? Or is he like just... I think you can say so much with music. Yeah, is it just a song, or is he saying that he really wants... Get them guessing. Yeah, to get naked. This is like before text messages came around. So then... With innuendos. Yeah, innuendos. So, <laughs> in, in back when I used to teach spin, for example, I would make tapes. And then, when I was teaching spin, I started teaching... I don't, I don't think I would have liked your spin classes. No, you wouldn't have, because I used to play, like, a lot of rock Weird and roll. Weird stuff, yeah. But I had a very devoted group of women. Oh, shocker. I mean, it, like... You're they, a horrendous I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you what... Aerobic instructors in Globo gyms are some of the most catty people out there. And mm-hmm. not just women, men as well. Like, they get, if you have people like, oh, that person took your class? Yeah, because you have, like, a, your tribe of people who right. follow you. So right. you're like, wait, you get very protective of your little group. Well, and, and first of all, they have to go to multiple people classes because they come in every day. Mm-hmm. You don't teach every day. But I had such a devoted group, and I was young. I was, like, 22, a guy playing you know, like Dave Matthews and Jimi Hendrix in my spin class, and the the women aerobic instructors would be like, why are they taking his class? <laughs> but, so that was drama all the time. It's like, I guess when you're, same thing when you're like a hairdresser and you find out one of your clients has gone to another hairdresser. Yeah, it's the same thing at the CrossFit Stab boxes. you in the back. <laughs> but they just took it so, and it's not, because it wasn't as if they were your members and you're getting paid more. They were just taking your classes. Right. But anyway, there, there came a point in time when I was teaching Spin where the MP3 player came out. Like before the iPod. I loved MP3 players. Yeah. We should bring them back. You have one. It's your phone. No, but with the, I mean with the mini discs. Why That's do you what want I mean. A mini display. Why do you want a mini display? I love mini discs. You, have, you don't need a disc and you have a phone. <laughs> so anyway. I just like them. The MP3 player back in the day, before the phone was out, you, you know, there was all sorts of ones. I had, like, one of the biggest, nicest ones because I taught so many spin classes, mm-hmm. and it became awesome because I was like, oh, that song was good. I can take it out, leave it in, oh, move yeah. it around. I'd ask people which songs they want in class today. Wow. How long were you spending on putting these? A long time. Music. I put a lot of effort into the music. Together. But that's why my classes were so good. And there was no other aerobic instructor at the time. Talk about, like, What's the uh, term that uh, early adopter? Oh, I was an early adopter on that. And hey, you could. I mean, how did the idea of Soul Cycle not come to your mind, babe? You know, <laughs> I, I, I will say, going back to like that era of my life, it was always like I would always find the next thing and like be like, "Cool, I can be really good at this." Versus, what can I create? Right. I think when you're younger. Like, I, I don't know that I was always an entrepreneurial type. I never wanted a job, mm-hmm. but I didn't really think that I can create something until CrossFit came about. And even then, it was like, we're going to open a cool CrossFit. But you probably didn't even recognize that you were putting your own stamp and kind of reinventing your spin classes a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you were turning out the lights. and. <laughs> no, I did. Like, you know, you, you saw the Albany CrossFit briefly, but... You know, when I taught there at the the court club where I rented space originally, 
You know, it wasn't quite a lot of ambiance, but I would shut the lights off and. Oh, in your CrossFit classes? No, 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 no. And and I taught spin at the. Oh, gotcha. Or when I taught at Gold's Gym, yeah, keep the lights off. Or I would do cool things both for spin and for yoga. Like one thing I would do every year, like around the holidays, is do a two-hour spin class or a two-hour yoga class. So I would do some cool stuff. Um, I would do like an '80s night. Two hours of spin. So I was doing cool stuff, but yeah. Let's talk about the evolution of some other stuff. Because that's what we really were talking about, the evolution. I know. I feel like we should talk about fitness now. Well. We wanted to talk about something else. All right. We'll talk about fitness. We'll save this other topic for another time because I think the listeners will enjoy it. But, yeah, I think we've primed our listeners now for talking about fitness and the various stages or the evolution that you can follow in your lifetime and talk maybe a little bit more about your own experience because you you don't do spin now and you're not a spin instructor (laughs) what what where did you start off with your fitness life well I could hop back on the bike any day I bet you could actually you did we went to a cycle bar didn't we in uh, Louisville. Louisville with Ashley and did you beat her? No, I think she wound up beating me. But she's like insane. We were like sixth and seventh. She puts her bike on the highest resistance for the duration of the class just to get the most. In fairness to me, I didn't understand how the points were created. Right, because it's competitive at cycle It's really, those ladies are nuts. There's a computer screen at the front of the class and it depends on who is taking the class, like who's leading it, as to how much of the board is really kind of interplayed within class, right? And also, at different times in class, the school your your bike is still being tabulated, but the instructor may be telling you to do something. Right, right, right. So you could be kind of hedging your performance, right? But anyway, what, <laughs> being strategic. What they've done that's incredible. That was cycle bar, or so. That was cycle? no, that was cycle bar. Cycle bar. What they've done that's incredible. It's like the same thing CrossFit did. It's like let's apply competition to everyday exercise yeah and I do I have to say having I, I've been to both cycle bar and soul cycle I like both for different reasons soul cycle I definitely notice I don't push myself quite so hard <laughs> but I enjoy that experience in a different way and then cycle bar I tend to leave feeling like holy crap I need to lie down now <laughs> well to me spin class is all about the music being played but yeah and in both classes i think they the instructors always do a really phenomenal job i don't like the, with music. the music here's here's yeah, a, but because it's current and you don't know I don't any of it i don't i'd have to look now i don't know where i would find what, it to be honest what were you playing in our crossfit class the other day i don't even pay attention oh, to see, what music you're playing well yeah but what i play in class is not necessarily what i want i play a balance of Music I'm willing to tolerate, but still people enjoy it. <laughs> right. So if it were up to me and we walk into CrossFit, I'd probably put on like Dave Matthews, depending on my mood and depending on what I'm into. Like right now we saw the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. I know. So I've been obsessed with Queen. That's what I put on during the warm-up, which I think is okay. It's a warm-up. We're chilling. We're getting ready. And Don was playing it afterwards in his class. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of that stuff pumps you up. Yeah. Queen's but, awesome. And then during the class, I was playing... There's a station on Spotify, like 90s hip hop. Okay. If you guys haven't seen it, it's pretty good. It's got like, I think the cover is uh, Biggie. So it's got just good 90s. Really just want some energy. Of course, 
Someone just, change. Just stick some MC Hammer on. Well, Can't I would love that. I would love to put on eighties, eighties and nineties pop is a good one. Yeah. You know, I, I'm. Well, I love music. I'm also probably somewhat narrow in my selection. Right. You know, when I'm chilling out, it's like Dave Matthews, The Dead, or just like whatever lists are created, but it would revolve around those same people, or Ellen John, David Gray, Billy Joel. Um, so <laughs> but, Our listeners are like, him? <laughs> but, you know, but so I don't have a lot of education in the current stuff. That's why I go to the 90s hip hop. Right. That's like when the girl, one of the young kids in class said, what do you want to listen to? And she said, Cardi B. And I said, who's he? And I meant it, I was like, I didn't know who it was. And then they were like, it's a girl. <laughs> However, someone changed my music in class the other day. I don't recall what it was changed to. Me neither. Source subject. <laughs> Trying to use my, you know, for the listeners out there, I'm listening to a book called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Excellent, excellent book. Should probably, we should probably put some of the stuff that we talked about like in a link. I thought you did do that. I, no, I don't because, I mean, I'm, I put a little blurb about what the podcast Most of the time like. we finish the podcast and you ask me, hey, what did we talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Can All you right, give I'll, me a little description? I will put that link in there because I think it's an awesome book, especially with dealing with anyone, your wife, a coworker, your clients, your friends. So rather than just immediately freaking the F out. I know. I chilled out. Discussed it with you because I think you, I mean, it's not in the book, but I think it's okay to have a safe person that you can vent to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, ultimately, I didn't even wind up mentioning it. And I probably won't because when you stop and like, I think part one is just take a step back and realize if it's that important. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Is I, it worth saying anything? And if it was, it's not, I'm angry because you did this, but more, why am I angry? Mm-hmm. Right, you change the music. That's not necessarily anything. It's how I reacted to it. What are you laughing at? I'm I'm laughing at how off topic we are right now. Well, it's important because so I'm just letting Jay go on hiatus today. So what do you think about it? It's not (laughs) you changed my music. I'm angry because you changed my music. No, I'm angry because of the feelings I'm having, and I'm really not angry. Angry is not the right word. It's like okay, I'm. You feel disrespected or. For me, it was honestly like when I stopped and really thought about it, it was like, well, that music makes me have more fun in class. Mm. When I'm listening to something that's more upbeat and that I know the lyrics to, I'm having a better time. Yeah. That's it. There you go. Off topic. Back on topic. Nonviolent. Hold on. Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I'll put the link in there. I recommend listening to the audiobook versus reading it. So... Do you think your anger issues precipitated you starting jujitsu earlier in your life? First of all, I don't have anger issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to bring the conversation back full um, circle. So <laughs> the evolution of your fitness. Let's be life. clear on something. I don't have anger. I, would you even classify me as an angry person? <laughs> an angry person. Would you class an, an angry asking, bird? I'm being serious. <laughs> you look like one. an angry bird. <laughs> Uh, what do the angry birds do? Would you classify me as an angry case? person? No. So I think you have little mini fits like most people do. Yeah, everybody does. Um, I did not start jujitsu, contrary to what you just said. I started wrestling. Sorry, wrestling. And I didn't start wrestling because I was angry. I started wrestling because I was small. 
So when I walked into high school on day one, my earth science teacher, Mr. Ortega, asked me if I wanted to join the wrestling team. Were you doing anything else at that time, like sport-wise? No. You know, I would say, you know, through sixth grade, I was active. You know, I was actually very good at Little League up until that age. Um, You know, in sports and gym class, I was always first picked. Like, I was pretty... Surprises me. No, it's good. You know, sixth grade, you know, you have your top people, and I think it was just, at that age, it's just like confidence and minor coordination. Yeah, and who has the most energy, which I suspect was usually you. So, you know, I was good. And then seventh and eighth grade in middle school, I really just became completely unathletic. I think, you know, reading a book now about willpower and environment, I think part of it was my environment. My mom... I remember sitting with the guidance counselor going into middle school and my mom was forceful in getting me into like the smart classes. What do you mean? Like, like, Oh, pushing you to go to different classes. Well, there was like just classes. I forget what they were called, but it was like the smart kids were in these, it was the same classes, but basically in middle school you had your kind of track of kids that you followed into the, you know, main classes, math, science, history, and, uh, writing or English. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be some combination and, and, flip-flop there's like a handful of electives like art or music gym etc right so she like me really made a push to put me into the smart kids classes Mm -hmm. and I remember I remember with the guidance counselor the guidance counselor was like well you know his grades might not be like my mom you know no one believed in me more than my mom of course especially with brains not athleticism so anyway I wind up in those classes and I do think that played a role in the fact that I became unathletic because those kids, like, those become your friends. Yeah. Like, those were definitely my nerdier years. You know, I had less friends, and they were all the nerdy kids. Did you, do you think you benefited from the brains? No, not at all. I, we were, you just fell behind because you were in a class that was too challenging. I, no, I, I kept up. Like, in, in fairness to my mom and this guidance counselor, like, my grades were always good. Like, I was on a roll. Like, it was never, like... I suppose talking about environment, like I rose to the occasion right. of those classes, but then, you know, the same environment shifted my physical, but I, I mean, you <laughs> I was saying like, I don't know how I got by middle school, high school or college. Cause I know nothing about the government. <laughs> Zero. We were talking about politics yesterday. I couldn't tell you. Jay, I think you have to confess. <laughs> I couldn't tell you about Congress. The how, We were trying to study and understand that stuff. I know nothing about it. Well, I'm trying to understand it from my perspective of what I'm little about. I do know you about UK politics. You didn't. You weren't born and raised in the states. Yeah, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I want to understand. But I mean, I didn't grow up learning English or British parliamentary. I learned. I yeah, I, but if you lived in the UK, you would, and there was an election going on, you would be interested. Yeah, but here's the deal: like, I'm so bad at history. Like, embarrassingly bad. I'm not embarrassed because I don't care, but when they were talking about the Civil War, I was like, I don't know who won. Like, I don't know. Like, who won? The North, like, and then they said the North. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know. And I don't know, like, about any of this. But it was there, which part of it is also, in my opinion, like, what goes on in schools that a kid can – I got great grades. Yeah, I, Granted, it was 20-something years ago. I get it was a long time ago. Well, I mean, this is going off topic again, but obviously whatever school curriculum you're following, 
I mean, you're learning essentially what they dictate should be on the curriculum. That's why you have crazy people out there denying the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose it's all... I don't know, but the point is, the point is nowadays... He's having a, a minor midlife crisis we, we, here as he, he ponders the fact that he knows nothing. You know, we watch something like um, the 90s or 80s documentaries on Netflix. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. Why didn't they present it in this way in school? Well, I think you find that interesting because you were actually alive during that time. I, and you can relate in some way. Because but some you, of that we because, learned... Because you remember some of the events and, See, I don't and the things that are talked about. I mean, part of me is like, what was I doing? And I tell you, I wasn't doing anything. I was listening to music in my room and... Not watching the news. You know, working out. Yeah, I didn't watch the news. Billy had it on. My stepfather, well, dinner was on a lot of the time, but I didn't pay attention. Um, I was thinking, actually, what would be funny is, you know, for example, yesterday, we're on the way home, we're, we're talking about the government, and the word filibuster got into my head, I didn't oh, tell you, right? Okay. So I'm, like, looking it up. And like understanding it, because you hear like I remember that from school, and I'm like, if I were a teacher, here's how I would teach. I'd be like, go home. Here's the word you need to know: filibuster. Go find out what that means and present it, because that's really how the world is run now. By filibustering? No, <laughs> by by learning it on your own on a computer. Right. So so if I were going to teach the term filibuster in history, I don't eighth grade history today. In, in, you know, Naples Middle School. I say, all right, kids, you know, we've been talking about the Congress. I want you to understand the term filibuster because it happens to be really important okay. when it comes to passing laws and stopping laws and all that. So tonight, filibuster, here it is on the board so you know how to spell it. Go home, do some research online, and I want you to each to present five minutes on what you think a filibuster is. You think you'd get through all kid, all those kids? In Regardless if you got through all the kids in one class or maybe five minutes is too much. I don't know how long the class is. But the point is, that's how they're going to learn. They're going to go home and Google it. So now Google it. Figure it out. Okay. I'm struggling to understand your point here. I'd say that's how teaching should occur. But teaching does occur in a certain way like that. Hey, go home and read this chapter on whatever, right, but the reality book, is, come back and present it. Yeah, the reality or is everything's... Or write a 500-word essay on it. The reality is everything's computer-based these days. Okay. Mm. So anyway, I get a little chubby in middle school. I'm <laughs> athletic. Um, wasn't playing Little League as much. And then I go to high school, ninth grade, walk in, day one, earth science teacher, you're going to wrestle. So I'm like, oh, Okay. I, th- I remember going home to my mom, and I was like, can I join the wrestling team? She's like, no. And I even think I told my teacher that, and he called her and convinced her. Like, it's not dangerous. Like, um, so I go in. You have to have, like, a physical for it. And then in the mean, this is, like, beginning of the year. So I said, well, I need to get – mentally, I was like, okay, I need to do something to be ready to be athletic. So I joined the soccer team. Oh, that fall. And I played soccer growing up. I wasn't great, but I joined the like junior varsity soccer team. A bunch of my friends were in it. And so I wound up playing soccer, which helped me get back into a little bit of shape like that I was in. Because I was, I was definitely chubby. The, the weight class that I had to be for that freshman year was 91 pounds. And I weighed like 100. Mm-hmm. So I was 9 pounds overweight. But it was, you know, basically chubby weight. Mm-hmm. So 
and it was probably heavier prior to soccer. That was at the beginning of wrestling season. So soccer definitely helped me get in shape. Then I started wrestling. Um, then I played tennis as well. And after that freshman year of wrestling, getting my butt beat every day, I was like, okay, I need to get stronger. So is this, how old are you now? That's, you know, in 1992. So I'm like 14, 13, 14. And so at this point you start lifting weight in the gym? Yeah, so my mom got me a membership to Club Fit right. to start lifting weights. And she would she would bring me after school or after tennis, depending on what time of the year it was. And I did played you, a lot of tennis. And did day. your coach recommend that you get stronger too by going to the gym? And Not really. You know, Mr. Ortega, while a great person, like didn't know a whole lot about coaching. And you know, this is anybody. So how did you there. find out that you needed to go lift weights? I think just probably friends on the team. All right. Like a bunch of the kids were going there. Mm-hmm. It was like the only gym in town at the time. Like there weren't Globo gyms all over the place. Right. So that was the place you would join. It was expensive back then. It was like a hundred bucks a month. Oh. And was that successful? Yeah. From freshman year to sophomore year, I completely changed. Did you know what you were doing when no. you were in the gym? <laughs> I mean, I remember the first day I went in, you would sign up and one of the trainers would take you through the machines. It'd give you like a little induction. Yes, you do like full body every other day. So I started with that, like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or whatever. I would do all of the machines. And then maybe the other days I would go on a treadmill and run Mm -hmm. or bike. And then eventually you start veering off of those machines and you're doing bench press and curls. You know, you're you're incorporating some of the free weights out there. Right. And then eventually... body specific on certain days or yeah I don't remember exactly when I went from hey I do these machines three times a week to I do chest and tries but that evolution happened mm-hmm. um, and then yeah from freshman year to sophomore year while I wrestled at the same weight I had to you know freshman year I wound up making 91 pounds no problem once the season started I was like 85 pounds like made weight super light that's showing how chubby I was I mean, 15 pounds came off and I walked around at that weight, no problem. I was very light for my weight class. Hmm. In fact, I was getting to the point that I was like too light to even wrestle. Hmm. But then the next year, sophomore year, I, I struggled to make 91 pounds. So at what point do you stop doing sports so much, like wrestling and tennis, and do you start doing your bodybuilding? Well, throughout high school, I continued to do wrestling and tennis, so I never stopped that. Bodybuilding came senior year just in line with wrestling and tennis like a bodybuild in on top of that and then but you were doing competitions correct but that was my first competition was like june of my senior year so it was i was probably getting ready as tennis season was wrapping up right and then i continued you know once tennis ended in high school and i went to college i didn't I, i played sports you know, intramurally, I was on the rugby team. I still played tennis here and there. I would wrestle a little bit in college, but really it was just all about lifting weights until after, through college. So at what point did you decide you wanted to do bodybuilding competitively then? That was senior year in high school. Okay, but what made you do that? Uh, my senior year in high school, there was a program called WISE. I forget what it stood for. But basically, you could leave you didn't have to come to high school for more than like one or two periods like I would get there for second period and third period and leave for the day 
And you would just spend the day in the gym? Yeah. So I started off. What? You get to, it was a very select group. So clearly, like I said, my grades were still pretty good. So I, I qualified for this group. It was the first year they ever brought it into my high school. And I think they only took like 10 of us. And I remember I would show, like, I didn't have a first period, so I got to sleep in a little bit. I would drive myself to school, go to second period, third period. Like, you had to take your two, like, I forget what courses, English, math, whatever. And then you were basically, this WISE program counted for everything else. So I started at a PT place, physical therapy place, and I hated it. They were, like, not, I didn't hate it because of what we were doing. It's like they didn't give me any opportunity to learn. It was like, fold these towels. Like, they treated me like an intern, Mm. which was fine. That's like when you think you're going to a law office to understand what being a lawyer is about and they just put you on the photocopier the whole time. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that wasn't the point of this program. Right. So then I was like, all right, I quit that place. I told them, and I remember my mom like made me tell them that I'm quitting. I just want them to not show up. And I, and I asked the gym, I was like, can I do this here? And I was like, why didn't I think of that to begin with? Because mm-hmm. I didn't look at the gym as like a potential career. But at that point, I just wanted to not be at that physical therapy place anymore. So, so what did you end up doing? So I would show up and, and basically learn how to operate at a gym. Oh, okay. So every you know, I'd show up and a lot of it. Honestly, a lot of the and time, and that's what got you into competitive bodybuilding. It's not what got me into it. I was already bodybuilding, but having all that time there and being able to learn more is what helped. But I want to understand why you wanted to take it to the next level. Like, what was it in your mind that made you think, oh, I want to be more ripped. I want to be like a bodybuilder. Like, was it like, oh, okay, I know I can do sports, but now I want to be physically, like, look like a Greek god. Like, did something in your mind change because you were going through this evolution of, uh, like, being a teenager or what? I'm just trying to understand that aspect of things. No, there was... One guy that I that was working there, his name was Mike, and he was a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a little bit in the culture there. There was a handful of people that would bodybuild. So I was just training enough and looked pretty good. I mean, it wasn't like a huge change, yeah. right, for me mm-hmm. to just, I mean, I was young. I was lean. And did you win the first time you entered into the a competition? First, the first competition I did was June, my senior year, because I remember it was really close to graduation because we had like our senior breakfast the day before, and I was, like, all painted up, getting <laughs> ready, like, tanned up. And, um, no, I came in second. It's pretty good, though, for yeah, your first competition. Good. You know, and I was small. I was really small on stage. I was, when I was on stage, I was, like, 119 pounds. So if you've seen those pictures of me, they're out there where I have some, like, the, the other guys. Because it was a teen division, but they were, like, 150 to 180. Mm-hmm. But people loved me on stage because I was just, like, this small underdog. So then the, then I competed in a couple others that summer and won. You know, there's small competitions. It's not like there's dozens of people on stage. We have like five or six in each division. And how long did you do that for before you're like, eh, I'm sick of this. I need something. Like, did you get bored of doing that? No, I did. I did that competition. I did a couple more that summer. Went to college my freshman year. Trained, but also ate and drank completely, you know, Right, so being in college but then I gra- made it more difficult to kind of want to stick with doing the strict bodybuilding it was, style yeah, <laughs> training it, and diet. It wasn't impossible, but it wasn't, it wasn't in line with my lifestyle at college either. Yeah. 
And so I came home from college my freshman year, you know, in May or June, and I was thick and big, but also chubby. I was like 150 something. Oh, wow. Um, which is more than I weigh now. And then I was like, all right, I want to do a bodybuilding competition this summer, the same one I had done last summer. Mm-hmm. So I trained all summer long for it and got shredded again. And I think I won that one. That was a hard, that was like a miserable summer for many reasons. For one, getting ready for that. Two, I worked full-time at the gym, which I was like super excited for. It was like my first time really having a full-time gig there. Mm -hmm. But then I also worked for my mom's school because I committed to work for the school and then the gym offered me a full-time job that I really wanted. Yeah. Plus I had mono and didn't know it. Oh my gosh. So I was just like, you know, the whole summer I was just ridiculously exhausted, but I always thought it was just I was working hard, but it turns out I had mono. <laughs> um, but anyway, got ready for that competition. So what happens when you go to college. And that was it. That was the last one I did. Oh, that was the last time? Yeah, and it wasn't – I would do it again. Like, it's not – I don't know. Like, it's not about – I think bodybuilding's cool. It's just, like, I don't – it doesn't motivate me to get trained. Like, that's not what gets me going. Like, I love – CrossFit in the sense that I can see my progress and fitness like it's more measurable mm-hmm. but I would do you know if there was a competition well I think I would do it around here like through CrossFit training through nutrition maybe a little bit of a tweak to my movements but I would do it again well I think CrossFit kind of brings the benefit of so many worlds together it's you know it's it's elements of sport it's activity it's hard it's intense plus you get the benefits of you know the physical aesthetic benefits of lifting so it's almost like this amalgamation of sport and lifting and making fitness fun you know like there's the music that you get with spin apparently your computer's on do not disturb but it's I, on do not disturb I, I struggle to believe that <laughs> you saw it but i agree with you i think that's the beauty of, and that's why so many people love it. Now, because how long have you been doing CrossFit now? Since two thousand and six. Right. So over ten years, you've been doing this because it's just fun for it me. Co- yeah, combines all these elements of different things that ultimately makes. Well, and I think the reason I do, fun. I continue to do CrossFit because I was going to say the downfall of CrossFit is it opens up. This is not a downfall, but I'd say if there's a strike against it, is that it opens up people's eyes to other avenues of fitness. And sometimes they get so down that rabbit hole that they leave CrossFit. And we've all seen it. They go to strongman, they go to weightlifting, they go to powerlifting, they go to endurance. You see it. Our friends are leaving the box right now to do bodybuilding, basically. Oh, yeah. So it happens. I think it's the, the beauty of the reason I've always stuck with CrossFit and will continue to is because I like that diversity. I like the, the results speak for itself. And... For me, it's just, it's fun. It continues to be fun. And that's something you, you don't see in a lot of activities. And it's your community. Yeah. And what I was going to say was that I think, yes, although you do see people kind of spin off into these other avenues that CrossFit has introduced them to, I, I think a lot of the time they end up coming back because they miss that element of, um, or whatever it is, you know, all the extras that CrossFit brings, which is... <laughs> there's so much variability in yeah people go off on these I gotta get stronger so I'm gonna do weightlifting only and they'll do it for some people wind up doing it forever and become very good at weightlifting mm-hmm. but other people realize alright I don't wanna only clean and snatch for the rest of my life yeah. like, I miss doing 
warbles and running and rowing. I don't think I'll ever miss doing warbles or rowing. (laughs) But you understand my point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a little period where we were so busy with work that I was just kind of hitting wads and whatever I could in in our clubhouse gym. But it was a little bit limiting in what I could do. And even just over a period of a couple of weeks of doing that, I found myself starting to get really bored and just feeling very demotivated in terms of working out at all. And then as soon as I stepped back in the gym, that whole environment, like your buddies being there, the music playing, whatever it might be, Queen or <laughs> Dave hip-hop. Matthews, it's it's just, it it's, I don't know, it's everything. It makes you want to be there. It's motivating. Well, and I think for me, this day and age in my career of CrossFit, it's like, you know, I have very little motivation outside of class. And that includes, you know, in our garage, on the weekends when I travel, and, you know, even though I'm with other CrossFitters, like, I love going to class these days, and that's where I get the most out of it. You know, doing this, even right now doing this qualifier while fun, Mm -hmm. I miss going to class where the energy is high. And, you but know, you have been doing most of your qualifier workouts with uh, other people. With other people, but it's not the same as doing class. Yeah, I would say that. All right, let's tie a bow on this episode. We'll continue this conversation because we didn't get all the way in to the evolution. No, we got halfway through, maybe. All right, let's tie a bow <laughs> on the halfway mark. You you learned about a what kind of music I played in spin. Don't forget about that book. I'll put the link in the in the. What's it called? The blurb? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to post. Yeah, there's a little description. Yeah. And then we'll talk. We talked about why I started exercise. That's really why I started exercising because of wrestling. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. You know, I reached out to my coach probably a handful of years ago on Facebook. I was just listening to something about gratitude. And I was like, well, you know, if not for coach, I don't know what I'd be doing right now if coach Ortega didn't. Um, Stop me and tell me to join the wrestling team. I'd probably be a heart surgeon saving lives. <laughs> it does. It blows my mind that you know our our bodies are designed in such a way that we need to be active every day, and yet so many people just aren't. I you know, and that's one thing I've always appreciated, and I think about that a lot in the sense that we get to move all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's really it. I remember talking to Andrew Charlesworth. Uh, our coach Jen's husband. We worked a seminar together, you know, a couple months ago in Ohio. I yeah, think? we were in Ohio. Yeah. We were, we were, him and I were talking. I was like, "Oh, you take rest days?" He was like, he, he, "Jay, the human body is meant to move every day." <laughs> Do you know what? It's so, that is so funny. <laughs> I love that because I was thinking about it yesterday, and it's like, although I take maybe a rest day from the gym. I truly never do nothing any, you know, any given day. Every single day I do something, whether you want to call it active recovery or, or whatever. Like, it, you know, I might go to yoga or I might just go for a, a long walk with the dog. But I move because I feel the need to move. And I'm going to tell you, anytime I'm sore, beat up, tired, mm-hmm. whether it's a rest day coming or not, I feel better after moving. Oh, There's never 100%. been a time where I'm like... Now I feel worse. Even <laughs> even on Tuesday, yeah, Monday and Tuesday of this week, I was tired from traveling. I worked a seminar, worked out both days. Monday we hit that row devil's press workout. I was like, this is the. I was literally on the row with everyone there, and a thousand meters in, <laughs> thinking to myself, I want to stop. <laughs> and I remember the only reason I didn't stop was because I was like, 
if I stop, I have to do twice as much rowing again. I have to a shout out to one of my clients, Bridget, who did what's called Hell Week at Orange Theory. I can't remember how many different workouts they had to do, but one of them involved rowing for an obscene amount of time with a partner, and they got 10,000 meters between them. And, uh, it's a lot of rowing. Well, it's I, like yeah. an hour of rowing. Yeah. <laughs> I so. was like, uh, I'm actually incredibly impressed. I would probably have left that class as soon as I heard what it was. <laughs> so anyway, after even doing that, I felt better. PR'd my pull-ups, got 55 consecutive pull-ups. Yeah, I had that was a, good. You know, and, and, and that was a day I didn't even feel like working out. And then the next day we went in and did that 60 deadlift, 45 overhead squat, 30 overheads. And I felt better after that too. And then yesterday, so, and you know, talk about your body needs rest days. Yesterday I didn't go to the gym, but I went to jujitsu. Right. And you know, jujitsu, for those of you that haven't participated, it's a lot of drilling and moving, which isn't much. It's like, hey, I'm going to step here. You do it now. I'm going to do it again. You do it now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's almost like active yoga, but not quite yoga. I was going to say, it's somewhat, it's like. Sometimes it's not even challenging at all. Like you're yeah. literally just stepping your feet to learn where to go. Yeah. But then we do some rolls at the end. I think we did six or seven, five minute rolls. So, you know, there's 30 to 35 minutes of elevated heart rate. Rolling is not like a sprint, depending on who you're, you know, for example, I roll with uh, this guy, Zach, and it's like a battle. We're trying to really, like, we're even, he's a little better than me, so I have to really work hard to not get caught. Yeah. But then I roll with, like, one of the newer, younger kids or one of the girls, and it's softer. Like, I'm doing whatever they need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's active. So the point is, do you need a full rest day? Probably not. Now, on the flip side of that, if you want to take a day and just chill out with your, you know, significant other, walk the dogs, no big deal either. For me, it's like I have this bank of so many days in that when I do get either forced to take a rest day or busy or it's all good. My mm. body reacts well. But I do think it's always beneficial just to move a little bit. Yeah, go for a walk. Yeah. All right. Like you said, let's tie a bow. Let's tie a bow on it. We're up to the point that I uh, am in college. And we'll, we'll talk about it for next week. But basically what comes next is a lot of misery in my life of, you know, teaching aerobics and spin and personal <laughs> training before. And flirting with all the women in the gym. Yeah, lots of, lots <laughs> of middle-aged, terrible. lots of middle-aged women. It's not as, not as, uh, not glamorous. as glamorous as it sounds. So we'll talk about that next week. I'll put the other stuff in the blurb here. Uh, tune in again. Please let us know if you have any questions. Uh, you know where to find us. And by the way, we released our nutrition certification. We have. I'll put the link in the bio there too, but it's ownyoureating.com forward slash nutrition dash certification. So sorry. I was going to say, didn't we talk about that in our last podcast? We may have, but what, you think everybody listens to the end here? Yeah, I hope so. No. I hope people tune in every week. They may tune in every week, but they stop at about the 10-minute mark and we're <laughs> 43 minutes in. So we're going to wrap it up. And we hope you all have a great rest of the day. Check us out, ownyoureading.com. Follow us. Um, reach out to us. Chat with us. We're here for you. Send us any questions or topics of interest for you so we can talk about something you actually want to listen to. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week.